listening to a Garden City Chapel podcast by Dr. Robert Shaw. For a complete archive of podcasts, visit our website at www.gardencitychapel.com. Amen. I want to thank Cindy Senator. She's on loan to us this summer from Blaine Memorial United Methodist, and um, I know she plays occasionally there and has filled in for us several times this summer. Great job. Thank you, Cindy. I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. The title of the message is Building Treasure in a Bad Economy. I recognize and I speak to a number of folks these days, both in this place and other places, that a lot of folks, if you think about it, many of you are not in the same job this year that you were in last year. In fact, some of you are saying, job, what are you talking about? Some of you don't have a job at all right now. You're praying for God to provide for your family, you're interviewing, you're putting resumes out, you're putting applications out, you're looking for a job. Our nation, at the end of June, our unemployment as a nation was about 9.5%, which is nearly 1 in 10 people are without a job. In South Carolina, it's worse than that. In fact, when I did some research, I didn't. I looked at 10 or 12 states around us. We actually had the highest unemployment of anybody I looked at, and it was 125 one percent unemployment in this state. Well, what do you do in those kind of times? Don't raise your hand. Don't shout or anything if this applies to you. But I imagine some folks are worried to death. You, you're spending sleepless nights. Perhaps you are able to go to sleep, but you're awakened in the middle of the night and you're staring at the ceiling playing the what-if game. You're looking at your checkbook. You're trying to figure out everything you can do possibly to solve the situation. But the fact of the matter is... We're in a bad economy. Well, I got good news. Jesus spoke to this very issue 2,000 years ago, and I really believe what he says in this passage that we're going to read this morning applies to today. These are not antiquated words that only worked in the first century. Let me read the first part of this passage in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22 and following. He said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then... You cannot do even a very little thing. Why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? First thing is simply the cure for worry. The point that Jesus is making, in fact, if you got your Bibles open, look at verse 1 of this chapter, chapter 1, uh, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 1. Basically, the verse says that there is such a crowd gathering that thousands of people are gathering that they are actually stepping on one another. Now, every preacher would like to have that happen. You know, they'd like to have the crowd so big, we didn't have room to put them. They're stepping on each other just to find a place to sit down. That's the environment that Jesus speaks these words. And throughout this passage, he's been talking about value. 
He's been talking about the kingdom of God and riches and those sorts of things. And he comes to this place where he looks at his disciples and says, for this reason, and he's just told them a parable that I'm going to get to in a minute. But he says, I want to tell you, don't worry. The word worry means to be so anxious. In fact, my favorite definition for this, and it's not a good, good thought, but it means to be pulled in different directions. When you worry, it means this. You've quit trusting God and you started trusting yourself. And you're playing the what-if game. You're playing the i got to figure it out for myself game. And you're worrying about things that may never happen. You're worrying about things that you typically have no control over. In fact, it's a sin. You're not trusting God anymore. And so Jesus gives them some practical thoughts. He says, don't worry, first of all, about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on. See, he's talked to them in this passage a little bit about greed. Now he turns to worry. Greed is wanting more. You never can have enough in greed. You always want more. You can't get enough. Worry is afraid that you don't have enough. He says, don't stand there and worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on because life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Now, I don't know how many of you that that is a worry for you this morning where you're worried about even what you're going to eat today or you're worried about what you're going to wear. I know typically, you know, teenagers stand in front of their closet and tell their mom or dad, I don't have anything to wear. (laughs) And you go and look at their closet and think, we don't even have room to put all your stuff in the closet. You're having to make your floor a closet. You know, you've got stuff all over the place, and you're telling us you don't have anything to wear. Well, we realize that in other parts of the world, there are literally people, when they say, I don't have anything to wear, it means what they've got on is it. And Jesus says, even if that's your case, even as he looks at his disciples and says, even if all you've got is what you've got on now, don't worry. Don't be pulled in different directions and stress and lose sleep and get bad health over worrying about things. And then he takes two illustrations. And again, I think as Jesus is teaching outside to these thousands of people, he's able to look and say, consider the ravens. And I think he points over at a bird, a raven. It's interesting, he chooses a bird that is considered unclean. If you go back and look at the Levitical law, even the bird he chooses is one that's considered unclean. And earlier in the passage, he had already been talking about birds. He says, aren't five birds sold for two cents? The coin that he mentions is worth about two cents. It's the smallest denomination coin he had. And what the point he's trying to make is, look at the bird. Do you see this bird sowing seed and gathering into barns? No, they're not farmers. And yet God takes care of them. Literally, God keeps them fat, is what the Bible says. They don't store things in the barn. God feeds them. And then he makes this point. You are much more valuable to God than that bird. He's saying the next time you think God's forgotten about you or that you're going to somehow help your situation by worrying about it because God can't control it. He's saying just take a look at the birds. God takes care of them. And God loves you. And you have more valuable in His economy, more value than they do. In fact, he says, what by worrying, what, what good can worrying do? He takes this example. He says, can worry add a single hour to your life? In fact, the word that he uses is also used over in Matthew when Matthew shares this same account of this teaching. And it's the word that we translate cubit. It, it literally means 18 inches. It's the length of span from your index or the middle finger here to your elbow, about 18 inches. 
And he says, if you worrying, can that add anything to your life, to your lifespan? Either your height, which I don't think that's what he's saying, or the length of your days. Is worrying going to help that? No. In fact, worrying will probably shorten your life. Now, I'm one of these that takes things too literally when people say things. I like it when the waitress comes up and you're trying to order. And she, what she's trying to find out is, do you need more time to your, for your order? But she'll come up and say, do you need more time? And I'm thinking, can you do that? Can you add time to my life? If you can do that, I don't even see it on the menu, but it would be worth it. Give me some more time. You know, it's kind of like I've noticed this this year around here, and this is just for free, not really part of the sermon, but I want you to notice when you are being waited on, especially in Horry County, they use the word oucha. You ever notice waitresses saying oucha or waiters saying oucha? They'll come up and say, let me get that oucha away. I just noticed it this summer for the first time. And the other thing I've noticed is they'll say, have a good one. And I want to say, have a good what? I think they're just shortening have a good day or have a good meal or whatever. Just have a good one. But anyway, notice that when people say things, Can I, do you need more time? Yeah, add some time to my life. Well, let, me, let me promise you this. Worrying will not add a single ounce to your life. In fact, it will probably take away from your life. Let me tell you what people worry about. Statistics are done. It says this, 40% of the things that you worry about are about things that will never happen. 30% are things that are in the past that can't be changed. 12% are about criticism from other people that's mostly untrue. 10% is about your health, which will get worse if you worry. Only 8% of the things that we worry about are about real problems that you can do anything about. And even that, worrying, isn't going to help. Then he takes another illustration. He says, consider the lilies. Again, I think he's pointing at something they could see instantly. Look at the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are. Consider them for a minute. Give some concentrated thought. Fix your eyes on these lilies. He said, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them. Solomon, this figure from the Old Testament, just a brief passage. It says, when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, and she saw the wisdom of Solomon, she saw the house that he had built, the food at his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his ministers, and their attire, the clothing they had on, his cupbearers and their attire, and his stairway, which by he went up to the house of the Lord, she was breathless. Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field. And, and I want to tell you something. Solomon, who made the queen of Sheba breathless over all he had, was not clothed like one of these. And yet, you don't see a lily take out a needle in a thread and start sewing its garment. And yet, what's the fate of a lily? It's only going to be here for a few days, and after that, it's going to be put into a baking pot and used for fuel. It's going to be burned in the furnace. And yet, understand... You're much more valuable than that. If God would clothe them that way, how much more is He going to take care of you? And then Jesus said something that He said quite often to His disciples. You men of little faith. He said it at a time when they were out on the, out on the water and the storm came up and the disciples were scared to death. They just knew they were about to die. Jesus calms the sea and He looks at him and says, Why do you have no faith? On another occasion, he looks and says, Have I been with you so long and you still don't get it? Why do you have no faith? 
Then he moves on then. All right, that's what we're not to seek. Well, that's what we're not to focus on is worry. So what should we seek? Beginning in verse 29 and following, he says this, And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. So the first thing he says is, don't seek. And the word seek means to search out for, even worship. It's, it's the root word that we get the word worship for from. Don't worship the stuff that the world worships. Don't even worship the stuff that you think you need, whether it's to eat or what you're going to drink or clothes that you're going to put on. Listen, the world eagerly seeks those things. In fact, the word eager literally means to search or demand or crave for. Now, why does the world search for these things? Folks, that's because all the world has. Apart from Christ, all you've got is your possessions. In fact, Jesus has just told an illustration right before this. While Jesus was preaching, this guy from the crowd speaks up and says, Why don't you tell my brother to give me my share of the inheritance, to split the inheritance with me? And Jesus basically tells a story or a parable about a wealthy man that looks out at his fields. And he's got such a bountiful harvest that year. The rain had been good. The weather had been good. God had blessed him. He's got all this stuff. And he start, you know what he worries about? Now I don't have a place to put my stuff. Someone told me that the biggest industry right now in the United States is storage buildings. It dawned on me one day when we were paying $50 a month to rent this storage building that the stuff we had in there wasn't worth what we were paying for it. You know, if you've got a storage building, you've got stuff in there you hadn't seen in a year, and you spent $600 to store it, maybe you need to give it away. You're wasting money on stuff that's really not all that valuable. Here's this guy. I got all this stuff. I don't have any place to put it. And you know what it says? He says, I'm going to tear down my barns, which is an indication, first of all, you did have a place to put it. You just didn't have a big enough place. You got so much stuff, you don't have a place to put it. So I'm going to tear down the barns I got and build bigger barns. Why? So I can store my stuff. Jesus said it's for that reason that I'm telling you, quit worrying about the stuff. Of this world. How much of that stuff are you going to take with you into eternity? None of it. None of it. So instead of seeking that, the stuff the world seeks, and the reason they seek it is it's all they got. That is their God. That's what they worship, their stuff. Instead of worshiping that and seeking that, what should we seek? We should seek God's kingdom. That ought to be the most important thing. Folks, I would say to you right now, if you've been spending the last few weeks or months or however long worrying about having enough, start seeking God's kingdom. How much time during these days that you're worried about a job or you're worried about income have you spent reading your Bible, attending Bible study, being a part of a small group, going to church? If we would, with the same passion, worship God with the same passion that we fret over stuff. See, God can take care of the stuff. God wants relationship with you. And Jesus says, stop worrying, stop being afraid, and seek God's kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you. Kingdom means realm or rule or authority. You know the reason some people have a hard time seeking God's kingdom? is because they're building their own. 
If you're in charge of your kingdom, in fact, the words that I'm sharing with you, some of you are not going to be able to receive it because you're more interested in your kingdom. You're saying, Robert, I, I just, I'm just worried about making enough. I'm worried. i got kids that are going to go to college. i got kids with braces. i got to buy cars. i got to have a house. and i got to have all this stuff. Folks, you're just building your kingdom. Now, is there anything wrong with having a house and a car? No. But if it's the most important thing in your life is separating you from God, yeah, there's a problem with that. Seek first His kingdom. And then what does it say? All these things will be added to you. God knows you need these things. God knows you need food and clothing and shelter. Those are basic essentials of life. He knows you need them. And He can meet those needs. But rather than you seeking them and that being your passion, seek first His kingdom. So is it okay to fill out a resume? Sure. Is it okay to apply for a job? Absolutely. But don't let that be your passion. Don't let that be the thing you go to bed thinking about at night. Read your Bible. Immerse yourself in God and His kingdom. See, when you finally come to understand that everything you've got belongs to Him anyway, in fact, everything that you're ever going to have belongs to Him anyway, why would He take something away from you that already belongs to Him? Then last, check your deposits. You know, we've got online banking now. Online, you can check your 401K, you can check your IRA, your whatever else, you can check your bank account. Check your spiritual deposits. Jesus says in verse 32, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. And then listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the last thing he says is, check your deposits. Listen, don't be afraid. It's the word phobu. We get phobia from. Don't be afraid. But instead, little flock, understand, God's already given you the kingdom. If you're a child of God, you're a joint heir with Christ in the kingdom. In fact, I like the word little flock. Very small flock. If you're a child of God, you're part of His flock. And what does that mean? It means He's the shepherd. You're the sheep. Sheep are dependent on the shepherd. Keep that order in mind. Don't be afraid, little flock. In fact, rather than worrying about where you're going to store all this excess stuff, give it away. Give it to charity. Give your possessions these things that could cause you to worry about having a big enough barn. Let me just share a couple of principles about giving that I want you to get this morning. One is this. God blesses faithful stewardship. Proverbs 11, verse 25 says this, The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. As you think about faithful stewardship, don't become a pond and build a dam at the end of it that nothing can ever get through. As God provides for you, be a river where you're blessing other people. The generous man will prosper and he who waters will himself be watered. But the second thought about giving, giving to charity is be purposeful in it. Be purposeful in giving. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says this, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Be intentional in your giving. 
I know some people, the only time they give is when somebody puts a bucket in front of their face. Guess what? You may not need to put your money in that bucket. It may be that what they're putting in that bucket is contrary to what you'd want to support. I was driving down the road with a guy one day. We stopped at a stoplight. Guy put a bucket up to the window, and this guy threw a couple of dollars in it. And I could tell how proud he was as we drove off. I said, Jerry, what did you just give to? He said, I don't know. <laughs> it could have been Satan worshipers for all you knew. But he felt good because he had given. That's not purposeful giving. Okay? Be intentional in your giving. In other words, make it a matter of prayer. God, here's what you've blessed me with. What should I do with it? I want to be a faithful steward. And God, I understand that I don't want to be a pond. I want to be a river. So I want to be an outlet where you can pour out a blessing to other people. Because I know as I do that, you're going to bless me. But God, as I do that, help me to be purposeful. Help me to see what you want me to be about supporting. And he says, as you give, don't, don't make money belts. <laughs> don't make fanny packs that you're cramming your stuff in that's going to wear out. Make your deposit somewhere where thieves can't break in and destroy and moth can't wipe it out. But the word for thief here is the Greek word klepto. Does that sound familiar? There's no Bernie Madoff in heaven. Some of you have lost your fortune because of bad investments or somebody stole it from you. Well, here's the good news. As you make deposits in heaven, they're not only blessed by God, but they're protected by God. No unscrupulous investor can come along and steal it and, like, go on a vacation on your money. There's a lot of folks whose entire retirement has been wiped out. Let me tell you, we've got a better retirement plan in heaven than anything anybody's ever dreamed up on earth. So store your treasure. Make your deposits where thieves can't steal it and where moth can't ruin it. And then the bottom line, he says this. Bottom line is this. Find out where your treasure is. Find out where you're making deposits today. Because that's where your heart is. If you're making deposits in heaven and you're more worried about the kingdom of God, then that's what's got your heart. If all you're doing is kind of tipping God when the offering plate's passed and you're building your own kingdom, that's because that's where your heart is. And folks, if that's you this morning, ask God to change your heart. God, I want my treasure to be in things that matter. Let me close with this verse. Philippians chapter 4. Just a comfort, word of comfort this morning from the Apostle Paul. And he says this, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, God, I recognize this morning there's some real issues in this room. God, folks who have lost their job. God, folks who may have taken a job, but it's not the job they used to have, and so the income is down. Or the income's not there at all. And God, humanly, we look at that and say, God, how am I going to make it? I've got bills. I've got a mortgage payment. I've got a family to feed. And God, those are things that make us anxious and nervous and worry and pull us in different directions. It even affects our health. It's hard to sleep. Our stomach just seems to be in knots. And yet, Jesus, you tell us to quit worrying about that stuff. And so I confess, humanly, that's impossible. 
But in Christ, it is possible. So, Lord, I ask you today for some folks in this very room that you would give them a peace and a comfort today that passes understanding. They may not walk out of here and get a job tomorrow, but, God, I pray they'd have a peace and a comfort from you today. And, God, I pray you'd provide as you choose to provide, whether it be supernaturally or whether it be that you give them a job. Either one of those, God, would we recognize it's from you. And, God, whether we're making a paycheck that seems to be paying the bills or not, would we recognize, God, whatever you've blessed us with, it's from you. It's yours. And you're able to take care of it. We pray this today in Jesus' name.